Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Brooklyn-based jazz saxophonist and composer Alex Weiss. He opened up about this new post-COVID world and his new 2023 album, Most Don't Have Enough. He has been playing saxophones for 35 years. He's played and recorded with great artists like Wadada Leo Smith, Chess Smith, and many others. In 2013, Alex had a son and put the horn down for years. He is now picking it back up. We get into that and more. Dig this interview. I really enjoyed the album, and before we get into your album, yeah. I want to kind of broach a little bit of what you know we've all gone through, but especially the jazz community, which has been hit really hard. You know, COVID really ran through as hard for the last three years, and I'm wondering yeah. how you survived that time period and how it's changed the way that you approach things now. Yeah, that's right. Um, so it's it's made me kind of... I guess typically for a lot of people, it's made me practice more. It's made me, you know, go in and do more challenging things that don't come so easy. Um, and then it's it, uh, it 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 motivated me to write more as well. Um, I think it's been pretty typical. But there's been a I don't want to underplay that or downplay it. Um, in the city, as you can imagine, it's more congested. I'm, I live in Brooklyn, you know. Um, I've been not as uh, inclined to go out and see music. Um, I think people in general have been less enthusiastic about it. They don't want to take chances about things. And uh, even though perhaps the, the latest strains have been less dangerous, um, just the spread of it and the that that whole thing, I think, really has people have become, uh, and rightfully so, they've they've learned to to be less social. So, you know, it trickles down to playing with other people and collaborating, and the ease of getting together and rehearsing together, having gigs together. Um, so, my music has been kind of, you know, I've been writing other stuff and then with different instrumentations as well. The album, obviously, I wrote for a five-piece. Um, I'm writing more for a, four, uh, a sort of classic four-piece piano, bass, drum, saxophone lately. Um, and uh, it's actually influenced the kind of music that I want to play. Um, more gentle stuff, ballad-type stuff, more quiet and... Um, less busy music. Um, I've been wanting to listen to string quartets in my life nowadays, in fact. Um, and, and, and sometimes that music is very, very lively and very busy. But um, I, I've actually been listening again to the John Cage string quartets. I don't know if you've ever heard those. They're pretty dynamite. Um, so my, uh, So I've just been sort of writing uh, soft and not busy music um, <laughs> um, i'm I'm trying to answer your question as honestly and as sort of introspectively as possible here um i I have a quartet that I've been rehearsing with uh with um Santiago Leibson. um I don't know if you know that piano player here in the city he's dynamite um, yeah. and we've act oh you know Santiago yeah 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 yeah. Um, we've been playing Monk Tunes with Dmitry Yashenko on bass again. He's the guy on my album. And then um, 
and then VJ Anderson's playing drums. I don't know if you know those two guys playing at all, but um, I play, I've known VJ for decades since the since, since living in the Bay Area together. And we've been playing a bunch of different music, but a lot of monk, a lot of monk tunes. So that's actually been getting um, me practicing Thelonious Monk music has been um, a, very, a very busy thing for me at home. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That's... Yeah, I think I think that covers it. And and I think now that the world's kind of opening up, shows are happening. You know, I have flashbacks to March of 2020 when everything shut down. Albums were coming out. Artists didn't know what they were going to do. But we're in a different landscape now. So it has to feel good to have an album coming out now with the possibility of live shows and just things that are kind of anew right now. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, exactly. People are coming out more and more. That's for sure. I mean, I guess very recently a new a new spike kind of happened with the COVID. But I think people more or less understand that it's a, a, a variant of, of a variant of a variant and that it, the, the, the virus has kind of gotten weaker. Um, so, yes, I think people are coming out more. I think um, um, I'll be booking more shows. I think uh, I'll be booking something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that's definitely happening for sure. So let's kind of peel back the layers and get back yeah. to – the beginnings of you getting into music. Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised, maybe early influences and how jazz resonated with you and kind of became who you are. Yeah. Um, so I was raised, I was born in New York City, raised in the Boston, Cambridge area. And um, I began playing when I was 12 with this saxophone school called the John Payne Music Center. And uh, I, I started playing in this, in this saxophone choir, actually led by a, a pretty amazing sax player by the name of John Payne in, um, in Cambridge. And we would play once a week at um, a bar called the Tam O'Shanter in uh, Cambridge. And uh, I was very young. I was the youngest one in the choir. And then later on, years later, fast forward to high school, um, uh, somebody turned me on to Coltrane. Like, uh, I, yeah, it was Coltrane that really, like, really, really took me by surprise. Um, I, I couldn't believe how beautiful his music was. Uh, the, the, you know, a Love Supreme, um, the late fifties stuff, the, the, the beat stuff as well, but. Uh, and but and not the super out stuff, but the stuff that was in the middle there, um, that really kind of turned me. It made me real. I couldn't believe how beautiful his music was, and sort of reinvigorated my interest, or 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 really sparked an interest in in pursuing that music. Um, and a friend of mine named Marin Spivak, who was playing tenor, I was playing alto at the time, just alto, and he, he was a tenor player. He kind of um, inspired me to, to check that out. And then oddly enough, a few years later, after we graduated high school, we're living together and we're listening to um, an Albert Eiler record that John Shakai is on. Uh, and coincidentally, John Chicago lived in California. We were living in California in San Francisco. 
And uh, the album was the New York Ear and Eye Control record with Don Cherry and Albert Eiler, John Chikai's on it, Roswell Rudd's on it. Um, and it just really, really, really spoke to me. And I, I guess serendipitously, I guess that's the word, or, or perhaps not, but um, I ended up collaborating with him years and years and years later um, and working with him closely. So, um, but as far as early years are concerned, um, Coltrane's music just really spoke to me. Yeah, um, I, you know, and I guess it's really typical. His sound is just so captivating. And his his sort of spiritual bent is so, um, just strikes the center of your heart very easily. Yeah, that would be the early. <laughs> so, yeah, so what was the first live jazz show you ever saw that really blew you away? Oh, yeah, great question. Um, I saw Pharaoh Sanders in um, Oakland, California at the first Yoshi's. And I cried. I could not believe how beautiful the music was. I remember my father was, uh, he had cancer and he passed away from cancer a few years, a couple of years later from uh, hearing that concert. But uh, he was in the thick of it then and getting chemotherapy and radiation. But that Farrah Sanders concert really changed me. Um, I was maybe 19 years old. Um, and his sound just really blew me away. Um, and his just whole approach to playing music and the power that it had, um, the emotional um, drive that it had, and, and just how it reached everybody in the, in the room. Um, so, yeah, that would be that concert for sure. <laughs> you know, when people, when musicians, jazz musicians come to New York, you know, I mean, I've been in Kansas City my whole life. You know, we obviously are a cradle. And, I, and, and you just know about all these iconic places in New York. And as someone kind of from the outside that loves this music, I'm always curious when musicians actually arrive there, like, what's the... What's the what's the venue that you played at that totally kind of floored you? That you always dreamed you would, and how did you kind of get settled into that scene? I, I mean, it's it's the mecca of jazz in the world. How did that happen for you? Right. Okay. So, well, I moved to New York um, eighteen years ago, and I guess the venue I played at. Uh, the, the the sort of William Parker left of the dial jazz scene here was really the and the, you know the John Zorn the Stone um, these these names and places were um, the place for me William Parker and his wife um, do you know are you familiar with William Parker I'm, I'm sure you are yeah actually I am I've interviewed him and I'm oh yeah yeah yes. okay yeah. <laughs> okay yeah 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 I, 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 pardon, pardon my ignorance. Um, I, I, um, I, oh, I, I good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I wanted to play at the um, what is it? The arts, the uh, music and arts festival um, that William Parker and his wife hold uh, once a year. And I was lucky enough to have been in John Chakai's band at the time with Chess Smith and Garrison Fuel. 
and Dmitry Yashchenko was playing bass um, at the time, and we were able to be we were able to play at one of the festivals years and years and years ago. Um, that was the first amazing venue that that I was very excited about and very just very just very excited to play at. Um, I've played at the Tonic as well, uh, the old Tonic, um, the Stone, but playing at that festival really, really settled in in a way that made me feel I had arrived in a way. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the way to put it. Sure. <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah, yeah. Kansas City, just as a side note, I mean, I, I would imagine everybody passes. That's a that's a mecca in itself. I mean, that's Charlie Parker land. That's uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's certainly yeah. The the lore and the history is is pretty steep. You know, we we've kind of rebuilt our eighteen and fine district, which is you know still in development. But the Mutual Musicians Foundation, the local union there, everybody came through there and they still have late night jams from like midnight to five in the morning. Oh, so, yeah. It, yeah. So there's still a uh, really good tradition. A lot of cats come through. Um, so yeah, but you know, New York just has a, a different uh, vibe to it and it's still such a hub. It's sure. a place that sure. everybody wants to go. So, sure. Um, sure. You, know, you know, in this process of being a professional musician, there's so many levels to it. You know, you got recording, you got promoting, you got, you know, there's teaching, there's, there's all of these things that go into it. What do you like the most about being a professional musician? What do you, yeah. what drives, what drives you? Yeah, that's a great question. I love recording. Um, I love the process of getting the musician, the musicians that I've picked or, or have been picked for to collaborate on a group of music that you've really shedded and have performed and, it's very warm, and then getting it down on on wax, so to speak, um, and then the ability to take a couple of takes, perhaps, and and choosing, the, and going through the process of choosing which takes are the best, or from subtle differences that that you want to have be finalized on a record, um, and then I love the mixing process too. Um, so I'd say recording for me is really just something very, very special and is a way obviously to, uh, you know, make, make, make a, you know, make a personal imprint of your life and have it captured. And it's, it's sort of a defined uh, encapsulated chapter in your life that can be later referenced to as far as your own discography, you know, your own art, your own. Um, and so that to me is, um, a highlight of, of of playing music for sure. Yeah, uh, recording. You know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, and you've been at this for you know three decades plus. You've been around yeah. with Adelia yeah. Smith. You've been around so many veteran, esteemed, legendary players. What do you learn from the legends? What do you take from them, and in turn teach younger players that you get around? Yeah, great question. Um, I think that. Um, the ability to, to learn from younger people and their takes on things and what they're interested in, what they're trying to infuse into their music, um, be it uh, a vocabulary within the jazz uh, idiom 
or, or, a, or a piece of music from a different genre that they're trying to splice into uh, improvised music. Um, um, I, uh, and, and as far as imparting ideas and notions, thoughts to younger people, um, being open and trying to learn from everybody that you play with um, and trying to make everybody shine um, creating music in the moment that makes other people sound as good as they can. Um, and that could be uh, perhaps speaking a line, saying a line within an improvisational space that connects directly with a younger person, what they're saying on their instrument, um, to um, having them be the center stage and say, I want you to solo. This is a, 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 this is a song that I want you to be the center of. Um, and because that newness there, the young, the young person who's perhaps in a collaborative situation with older, more veteran people will feel excited and proud to be chosen to have his voice, his or her voice shine in that moment. So um, the music is going to have an extra, real, genuine, genuine quality. Um, and that's another thing. Um, I think listening to your heart and listening to yourself as far as what you really, really, really want to do with your art, your music, um, always listen to that and never steer away from that. Um, I think creating music that really resonates with you, um, be it as far out there as it might be, or as far inside as it might be. Um, if, if bebop is something that you really want to study and play, then you should pursue that. And if free, atonal, arrhythmic music is something that you really resonate with, then you should pursue that. Uh, life is short, and um, the times to play your music are, are finite. Um, and you never know when you won't be able to do that. Uh, via be, because of a virus that could take hold of a society, or uh, you know the the uh, a sickness that can ravage your own body, uh, like cancer or uh, whatever it might be. Uh, you might have to take care of a loved one who's very sick, and your time might be compromised, or uh, all kinds of things can happen to you in life where you have to put your music aside. And so if you have a time, if you're in a time and place where you can spend time to develop your art, then you really need to listen to what you really want to create. Yeah. That's a long-winded. Yeah. No, it's great. No, that's great. Yeah. So yeah. very simply put, why do you love jazz? Um, I think for me, it really speaks to the, spo the spontaneity of it and the, the imagination part of it. Um, those two elements are really important to me as, as a human being. Um, I think they're elements that a human being opposed to any other animal can tap into and um, really exercise the mind in a way that is extraordinarily helpful for the health of the, of the body and the health of the mind. Um, to to not think in a le level that you are 
having deadlines and uh, need to adhere to a societal norm uh, like a like a nine to five job or um, any number one of the of the constrictions that that happen to people in in the world um, the ability to let the aural let the sonic be the ruler of things and have the spontaneous and the arrhythmic and the atonal perhaps enter in and use that and have that part of your uh, artistic creativity is is essential for uh, for a uh, for for the, the the development of a human being um and i see jazz really jazz music really uh, features the creative and the imagination um in a way that just speaks to me in a, in a way that i i really love I love acoustic music as well. So even though I have, yeah. I play with electric musicians and, and synthetic musicians, but the acoustic instruments are something that really um, encapsulate a sound that, 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 that needs to be uh, practiced and rehearsed. And um, I, I, there's just something very human about tapping into an acoustic instrument, um, that there's no filters that electricity or digital means are part of. Yeah. So let's get to the essence of you, and, and I'm going to ask you this. Everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your sure. fans, but ultimately sure. you live your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Sure. Um, God, that's a great question. I really love your questions. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. They're, they're well thought out. Um, so I see myself as somebody who strives for something that's unfortunately outside of the very normal means of Western society in a way. Um, money never really was very important to me. Um, and uh, creativity and using my imagination are things that are important to me. So those things have been tapped by music, or that's been the vehicle. Um, so I see myself as somebody who's focused in a direction of the abstract, of the surreal, of the... Uh, that, that It's kind of a, a, a solo place. It's kind of a place that... Uh, obviously has a community of other musicians, but that doesn't necessarily uh, have to do with the mainstream. It has to do with with, with something that's not the mainstream. Um, um, it, 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 I see myself as somebody who is, is a sensitive person to the pain that happens in the world via war, um, violence, racism um i think of myself as somebody who wants to be part of the side that tries to make the world a better place and i think music is creating music is something that is part of that um it may not be feeding people in war ravaged places uh which is much more of a much more direct way of healing the planet or people um, but I believe creating music, creating art is something that helps people, helps the world in, in a way, uh, perhaps albeit 
albeit uh, in a mild-mannered way. Um, uh, so I, I, I think I'm sensitive towards pain and loss, and um, I think that music helps me get through my troubles. I think music helps me uh, get through pain that I've experienced in life through loss of a lot, a lot of family members, say, um, and uh, helps calm my mind. It helps me... Um, develop my mind at the same time. Um, yeah, I, I hope that covers that question. Yeah, it certainly does. Alex, where can anyone out there pick up a copy of Most Don't Have Enough or find out about any live shows? Anything <laughs> pertaining to your world, where can they go? Yeah, so the album actually doesn't come out till, uh officially it's not released until February 24th, but Bandcamp and um, what's the other one? Um, uh oh my god soundcloud are uh, they're going to be on all the streaming services um and you can go to my website as well alexweissmusic.com and uh spotify has got a couple of singles that we've released once a month uh, uh, uh but the album is not released till the 24th of february i hope that doesn't crimp um your style as far as putting out this interview somewhere um but um uh, i yeah uh, all the streaming services and then it, the, the cd will be available as well on the 24th no cool that's great this is going to be a good precursor alex it was great to get a little insight into your world the new album what's going on thank you for taking time out good luck with everything thank you so much man thank you so much please get in touch with me whenever you want i really appreciate the time Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in Brooklyn, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Alex for his time, energy, and cool. Find archived Neon Jazz interviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe to us at YouTube.com. For all things Neon Jazz, visit us at theneonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.